Hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> We're just talking about Seinfeld in today's episode of Shows from the 90s. <laughs> and pointless cultural references. We are we are the home of professional podcasting and pointless cultural Come references. for the pointless cultural references. Stay for the Bible. Yes. <laughs> um, we ramble and ramble and meander through all of these strange and seemingly disconnected, disparate thoughts in our in our very unusual minds. I feel a transition and, and coming. And yet we are here to connect the reality of God to the realities of life. And that's, so that's the slogan. Each of the uniquenesses that we bring here with, with your strange mind and my strange mind, when we come together, there is a whole that is greater with than the sum of the parts. With our powers combined. <laughs> Wonder twin powers, actually. Uh, oh, I was going Captain Planet. It, that was actually very good. That's a much more 90s reference that's fitting for your generation. I loved Captain I'm, Planet. I'm going Super Friends from the 70s because, you know, I'm old and oh, it was way better. I loved but... Captain What? <laughs> that, that Captain was... Planet had the rings. Wind. Yeah, that, that was probably <laughs> the most, um, how could I say this? without offending more people than usual. That was... You're going to offend people with Captain Planet out of all things? Well, yeah. It was the most specifically targeted oh, yeah. and successful propaganda cartoon they I ever saw They made a cartoon about recycling. I, it's, yeah. It was, and it was successful. It, it, yeah, it was pretty good. I loved it. Yeah, there, were some, there were some pretty good things there. I recycle. Uh, we, had an, we had a Captain Planet lunchbox. I recycle made, specifically I, because of Captain Planet. Made, I hope, out of recycled water bottles. But Did I, you recycle it after you were done? I, we probably still have it. I don't <laughs> throw things away. With, I, it's repurposed. You haven't seen my garage, but yeah, this is the problem that, that we Well, don't tell into, people that so. you have a Captain Planet lunchbox in your garage. They're going to come steal it. It's probably uh, worth. It's probably worth something. It, it, you offer us some money for it. I <laughs> you guarantee it's for sale. My '90s Captain Planet lunchbox. Most everything's for sale at the right it. price. Speaking of for sale, oh, yeah, we, we haven't put those out yet. <laughs> we should. So, if you would like a real life uh, mug, travel mug. Yeah, they're and they were only what twelve dollars? I think you said. I think Is that were, what we I th- decided I think on? That, I think it was twelve dollars. I'd have to. Don't say it out loud, because then the we have to people. stick with it. Yeah, I, so. it is $12, because I remember confirming that with Dennis okay. when he did it. So so if you want one, <clears throat> don't have one, get one. A moving buddy. Anyway, so name that movie. They are they are pretty dope. So <laughs> anyhow, um, and there's this is my, my very warm, tepid uh, room temperature water. Well, then not, it's not, not doing this, its job. Not this room temperature. Well, I want it to stay at room temperature. Oh, so. you didn't want to stay hot. Hot. Yeah, hot water would have been good, probably, but I don't want cold water. I, you know, it, it troubles me. It constricts the vocal cords. Cold water is supposed to um, boost your metabolism because your body has to heat it up. Yes. Cold showers are supposed to do that I as well. I doing that. I, not either, but unfortunately, uh, this time of year, a lot of things are cold when they're That's true. It's a balmy, not pleasant, it's supposed to be a balmy 40 degrees today. That's going to be a muddy mess. This is why mass. spring is my least favorite season because yeah. things are just wet and muddy. Well, and you know, as we as we work through these seasons here in Michigan, you know, there's so much. They're that, all in one day. They, they sometimes <laughs> are. Just wait a couple hours. You know, we are in a whole different situation than like Texas with what they've gone That's through. That's kind of made me you sick. Know, for us, you hit those temperatures and you you know you put on your your heavy coat. You know, and for down there, actually, lives are in danger. Right. It's a whole different world. They're not. There's no way, and you know it's 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 funny in a in a sad way how quick people are 
to really focus on the blame game with mm-hmm. that. You know, it's this person's fault, that person's fault, this policy, that policy. I'm pretty sure there's plenty of blame to go around in every crisis always. But the reality is you're talking about a weather event that happens once every 100 years. Right. You're just not planning for that. The last time, you know, like they were talking about preparing, uh, they had a nuclear facility that shut down, not because of any danger with the nuclear aspect of it, but the uh, sensor wasn't weather protected. So there was mm-hmm. a temperature sensor, it froze, or a, what, some kind of safety sensor. And so it had the automatic protocol of shutting down the, right. the nuclear facility, which cut into their power and along with everything else. And, you know, folks are like, well, in Michigan, they, you know, and wherever else, they don't have that problem. Well, it's Texas. The last time this event or a similar event happened, there was no nuclear power. Right. It didn't exist right. yet. So, I mean, we hadn't discovered it yet. God, right. In God's creation, it still existed. But in the reality of practical um, policy stuff, it just didn't exist. So that's also why <laughs> it's... To, to transition back, that's also why it takes more than one mind. It, you know, if we if we do things that make sense to me or to you individually, that may not be the best thing. And so we have to come together. And you know, in the church, uh, you know, we believe that the Bible teaches clearly, explicitly, and wisely a plurality of elders. That we're not governed by a pope or a, an individual pastor, but by a plurality of elders. In coming together, guided by the Holy Spirit, um, you know, asserting biblical wisdom and practical wisdom in such a way that we are together then finding the, the most accurate reflection that we can of the wisdom of God. If we do that individually, I've made so many bad decisions in my mm-hmm. life. It, you know, if it's like, oh, you're the pastor, you have to make all these decisions. I can make the decisions, but they're they're more often going to be wrong than if we do it as a group. It can still be wrong as a group, right? But and, we're and f- in, we're increasing our ability to see different angles. Well, do you? I guess I can ask you this instead of saying my observations. Do you feel that as a pastor? I mean, even in this, we're in a very small community. Um, <laughs> at Real Life Community Church. Do you feel that as a pastor, even on a, a small scale, like our church compared to, you know, a mega church, you know, like Stephen Furtick or Tony Evans or whoever, do you feel as I feel though, I'm a lot more like Tony Evans than Stephen Furtick, just for the record. Your shirts fit. They both, so, they both um, have more hair than I do. But. That's true. Um, Tony Evans has great hair. Um, anyway... Do you feel that even on a, a small scale, I guess, and I don't want to, I don't want to say that lightly because I know you deal with a lot on a daily basis, but um, do you feel oh, as though, <laughs> but do you feel as though people, even in the church, especially in the church, maybe only in the church, come to you before even trying to explore other options for moments when they might be struggling with their faith or when they're going through a, a crisis, like a relationship issue or a family issue or whatever? Do you feel a that that's your res- that's your responsibility, or b do you wish <laughs> that they would not work it out for themselves, but look at things with a more uh, congregational mindset, as as though we're all supposed to support each other, be involved in each other's lives as the church? Uh, do you think that too? I guess I'm asking. Do you think that pastors have too much power? in general, or too much on their shoulders in the church. Like we're putting too much on you and these mega church pastors and whatever to, to maybe we expect too much and we don't want to handle I, yeah, things ourselves. I think that's a hard question to answer in general because every situation is a little sure, different. Sure, no, I get that. I think the, the more, 
I don't want to, you know, just kind of lump every large church. No, into I get this that. Maybe in a large church, idea. it's different. But the more prominent, you know, like, like pastors who have books published or have radio programs or or highly successful podcasts or whatever. <laughs> uh, notice I differentiated ours from. You know, anyway, uh, have it, you're more tempted toward a cult of personality at that point right. because there's a certain uh, platform that comes with if I can use the term fame sure so the better known you are that's why people uh you know listen to for whatever reason uh to celebrities for political advice or spiritual advice or whatever right. else i can't tell you the number of christians that that folks that i, I know personally who get super excited because of the the great wisdom of pick one chris pat chris pratt or tim tebow or whatever else and i'm not discounting that but it's as if we treat their conclusions or their thoughts as more significant because they're famous. Right. So you mentioned a, a Stephen Furtick or a Tony Evans. Um, they're going Who to have, have two to, very different styles. Of, yes, know. and, and um, they're both going to have people follow them personally, right? which is a huge responsibility. Right. And so... To a you don't to need... an extent, every leader will always have that. I mean, if if you're a leader of whatever, you know, if you're the president of the school board, or if you're you know a, a village council member or whatever else, people are going to look to you as a leader and expect more from you. That's part of the job. If you that. can't handle that, don't be in leadership. I get that, but do you think the rest of it is is lost a little too much in that? Like the congregation, I don't know anything about the I congregation of Stephen Furtick's church. You know, yeah, I, th- I think it's both end. I think I think yes and no. Uh, I think we see some, um, l- l- let's focus for just a moment on those mega sure, churches sure. as you're describing there. Uh, I th- and I don't know the makeup of, of those, right. of, of every church right. or, or elevation specifically. Um, but I know, you know, you look at like uh, Oak Cliff where Tony Evans is pastor. Um, it's a very large church, but it is a specific kind of church they're both baptist by the way Mm -hmm. just dramatically different and so when you look at a uh, tony from baptistic backgrounds let's say tony evans is a bible fellowship but not um not i don't think he's associated with a baptist church anymore anyhow as you look at those uh types of things how you structure your elder board or, or your leadership board um, whether it's structured more like a corporation or more like a biblical church, uh, those things have an effect. You know, right. and, uh, I, I don't. You know, when James McDonald went through issues at Harvest Bible Chapel, and you know, so many things that went on, I, I just had this conversation with someone from that church, um, the friend that I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. with the context. But anyway, that was prior to the podcast. Uh, anyhow, we, crazy context we, discussion. We were just having and shooting laser beams. We were talking about this, and, and again, the the issues that that James McDonald was, um, I want to say, guilty of. I'm not personally de- right. involved with it, so I don't want to imply that I have some authority to judge. I, I don't, but we all know the situation, or you know, it's public. I shouldn't say we all know it, but uh, having been. Uh, terminated by the church for a variety of things, including abuse of power. Uh, the pride issues that that were being dealt with there in in James 
were not secret. I mean, mm-hmm. he talked about such things in his sermons. And so there were issues there that needed to get addressed. So my issue was more, yes, he had his own sin. My issue was more with how does, how does the church, when you're dealing with elders, how do you not deal with that sooner? How does it get mm-hmm. to that point? It, it, again, they're not real secret things. So when you have those issues in a pastor, wh- whoever it is, myself or anybody else, you need to not be surrounded by yes men or you know people who are going to just tell you what you want. I think that's the core of my question is yeah. you know how can we step the, away from that? And I think so. structurally, when you have, I mean, they have like fifty elders, however many, you know, just this massive amount. It's a big, massive church, but the larger the governing body, the less direct, intimate access they have, and the less true authority they have. So if you have a board that starts getting in, you know, double digits and, mm-hmm. you know, really big numbers, then the impact of that board is is much less. Right. Therefore, that strong personality in the in the pastor or whoever else and and these guys, I mean, very few of these people get famous because they have a weak personality. Right. So as you're as you're standing in front of people all the time preaching, people are going to put that focus on you. You need to wield that that sword lightly. You mm-hmm. need to recognize the responsibility that comes with that. But part of that is having a team of people around you, um, including those officially in authority, and and also just friends who are going to say, "Hey, you know, get your head out of your pocket, buddy. You're not really thinking straight. Uh, this is not the the right way." Or, or more gently and more generally, I'm not sure that you're looking at this the right way. Let's mm-hmm. you know, let's. Let's look at other angles. It, it's also how we keep from having false teaching in the church. Having elders who meet the qualifications in, in uh, Timothy and Titus to, to um, be men of character as defined there, but also being able to teach. And that this is something we're talking about here with our overseers, is the reality is all of us in that leadership are, are pastors. At our church, we have one person with the title of pastor, but when we're together... I'm just another overseer. We're, we're all in this together. I happen to be supported by the church to be able to, to commit myself full-time to the ministry, whereas others have you know vocations mm-hmm. outside of this. But we all have the responsibility of pastoring this flock together, of shepherding God's flock. And so while organizations don't function well without a head, um, and... And for that reason, I believe it is prudential, it is basic wisdom um, to, to not be without a clear leader. It, it, there are dangers that go along with that. And, and I think you've touched on some of that when we, um, well, historically, we've had a number of folks, and especially early on, but, but a number of folks who will look at real life and, and you know, that's Zyger's church, mm-hmm. you know, that, and we say that a lot of times just to associate with the people that we know, you right. know, so I could say, oh, that's Stacy's church or so on, but, but it'll end up with the mentality of it's the pastor's church, right. it's that it's that person. Right. And it really is, it can't be. It, anytime we have that happen where it's focused on that individual, then we're, then we start to see division and dissension, that cult of personality where, where our focus, our worship is more of the person right. than it is of God through his word. And that gets dangerous. Paul addresses that with the Corinthian church. You know, it's like, 
who's Paul? Who's Apollos? We are not important here. The gospel is important. The word of God is important. We're on the same team. We're all together in this. Stop focusing on the individuals, the celebrity pastor or whatever else. And, and when I say the celebrity pastor, I, I mean, if you're in a church of, you know, 50 people or 20 people or, or whatever, that when you start to see the person standing up front or the worship leader or whatever else, the choir director, when you start to see them at, on a different level, right? then you have that celebrity mentality. Right. When we think, uh, you know, the, the mayor is you know, the super important person, like they're, uh, they're of a different ontology, a different essence than than other people, then we start to um, slip away from recognizing that we are all equally image bearers of God with different gifts, different responsibilities. Um, but, But the equality that God designed into us starts to go away and it becomes really a form of, of idol worship. I mean, that's when, right. When, and I didn't mean to veer too much off this, but when, when, you're talk, it really when we're talking veering. about the body of the, yeah. of the church, then I, I guess that when you're talking about the head of the body, really. Right. Well, and, and I think those are some of the temptations I wish I had time to bring up on Sunday. So I'm glad you bring it up now. It's easy, you know, in the podcast, it's easy to just recap what we talked about right. on Sunday. But, but what we want to do is, is kind of go into this. So uh, let me real quick recap for those who weren't listening on Sunday or weren't here on Sunday. <laughs> not listening makes it sound like they were here. Not <laughs> but <laughs> yes, I'm talking to you. If you feel guilty, I'm talking to you. I'm looking at the microphone like the mic can I'm see I'm talking me, right? to you, Mike. So anyway, <laughs> hey, Mike, if you're listening, Mike. she's talking Mike, to Mike, the Mike, microphone. Mike. So, uh, so bring me back to that as soon as I okay. recap here. So we'll oh, catch people up. And then bring me back to that question. Because I, I think that's that's some of the stuff that, are, that I wish I could have brought out. But as we're looking at 1 Corinthians, sorry, we are talking about Corinthians, and so is in my head and our memory verses there. Uh, as we are talking about Ephesians 1, verses 15 to 23, um, Paul, having, uh, having talked about the blessings that we have in Christ and our union with Christ, uh, and his grace to us by by God's choice and his adoption and his predestination to to conformity to the likeness of Christ, uh, the guarantee of our of our future inheritance uh, by the Holy Spirit. Now his his attention here is is really drawing out the groupness of it. He's praying for them as the church, and he kind of in the process of this. He couches it in this idea of body life. And we'll see it again. He'll, in, in chapter 2, he'll look at the individual grace of salvation, but it's still couched in this context of the grace to the church. So everything that we see in the Bible, it, it comes back to this corporate mentality. But anyway, so as we're looking at, at, at Ephesians 1 in the second half of the chapter, uh, it becomes clear that that it's only in the context of the church that we can fully know and experience God. And, and so as Paul is as putting this together, he's praying for them to, to know God better, to know the hope to which they were called and the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and to know the power of God, which is like the working of his mighty strength uh, in the resurrection of Christ. And so as as we see in the church context, None of this is just individuals. We don't get the full experience of who God is and what God has called us to on our own. If we're not together, there's a reason God designed us to be relational. We see that in, in, right out of the gate in Genesis 1 and 2. There's, there's no way to escape the relational nature that God has built into humanity. And then the rest of the story is God, as 
creation expands, God calls a people to himself, not just a person. He does call Abram, but he calls Abram to establish a nation. So he's calling a people to himself. And then as we look through the Old Testament, everything is about the history of those people, God's blessing to those people, the call to repentance, not just to individuals. It has to be in individuals, but in the collective, in the the corporate uh, life together, Israel needed to repent. And the same thing in the New Testament, we see, you know, the the Gospels lays out, you know, know, he connects Jesus to to the Old Testament. But yeah, I mean, as you look at Jesus, he gathers people around him. And there are times when Jesus goes off on his own and does whatever prays and whatever. But he's always, when you think of Jesus, you think of the 12. And he specifically doesn't just do it himself. He does it apprenticing the 12, right. sends the 12 out, sends the 70 out, commands all of us to to uh, make disciples. So we are his church. When he prays right before the cross in, in uh, John 17, his prayer is for us. Mm-hmm. He doesn't pray for Peter. He doesn't pray for John. Right. He prays for all of us. And so there's that corporate nature. The the book of Acts, we see the birth of the right. church and everything in Acts. You can't escape it. I was so convicted when we were preaching through that last week, last year that how much more corporate, how much more church focused it was than mm-hmm. what I had ever realized before. And, and and shoot, I've preached it before. You know, it's not that I didn't see it, but it just came out so much more clearly as we're going through this. When when Peter and John get thrown in jail and God breaks them out, well, even before he breaks them out, the uh, before that story, when when Peter and John are uh, released from jail, the first thing they do is they run to the church, they right. run to the believers for prayer, and they pray together. And as they pray together, God moves, and so we see this constant focus on on the corporate nature of it. All of the letters that you see in the New Testament either are two churches or about churches, even the you know possible exception you could say of Philemon, but even Philemon, Paul is appealing to this slave owner uh, on behalf of his slave who has become a brother in Christ. Mm-hmm. And he couches it in this idea of relationship that, hey, we're we're part of the same body now. So, you know, what do you think? You need to be you need to be addressing him not just as right. a slave, and Paul doesn't command him to free him, but he does say, This is your brother. He's he's worth more to me now as a servant of Christ than he ever was to you as a slave. So you know, you look at Revelation, the letters to the churches, the, the context here is God's people. So I, I don't mean to take up so much time establishing that, but that's what but that's- we, we need to look at as we as we see what Paul's writing in Ephesians. This idea of, of knowing the person of God, we do this in community, and, and that's by God's design. To know the hope of God, he specifically says that it's the, this hope that he's called us to is the riches of the inheritance that God has for us in the saints. All of this inheritance, all of the riches of God are made manifest in and through the church, not to individuals. So when we get caught up, like so often in, in you know Christian you know, gift market things mm-hmm. with these promises of God, the vast majority of these promises are not for individuals. Right. And if they are for individuals, then we really probably shouldn't be claiming them because it's not to me as an individual, it's to an individual in the Bible. Right. But when we see these promises, the promises are virtually always to the body, to Israel, the body, to the church, the body, to the collected corporate people of God. 
and they come with responsibilities as well. And we need to not neglect that idea. We have come so so much to this place of individualistic right, I was uh, just approach, say, not I've... just to church, but to life, right. but, but to church too. So we become consumers, which I guess kind of brings us back to what you were saying in that individual focus on a leader. Well, and kind of, I guess this kind of connects to that as well. I've heard, and we've talked about it before, so many people who, uh, you know, profess to be Christ followers will say, you know, I've got my own thing going on with God. It's just, you know, I'm going to do my own right. thing. I've, it's just one-on-one, me and, me and Jesus, me and God, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying there's not a time for that because who doesn't? But just having that or, or getting your, I don't know what the right word is, getting your sense of, of churchiness from something like, listening to a preacher on a podcast right. or watching a live stream or whatever. I'm not saying those are bad things, but I think when you said it's important that we don't just rehash the sermon here, it's important because that's not giving someone what they really need as opposed to like actually being there as a part of the church. Right. But I think in this society where we where media is so prominent, social media is so prominent, you can get little snippets of, of the word here and there, and you don't have to go anywhere or be involved with anyone. Um, it's easier than ever to have this uh, lone wolf kind of faith. And uh, so I think it's important to talk about this. Yeah. And so kind of leading back to what we were talking about earlier with these, I mean, I guess we'll stick with the mega churches and these, you know, fa- famous uh, preachers. It's easy to connect with them and so, and see them in right. maybe a higher, from a higher perspective than you would if you were sitting there in a church because, hey, these guys are on, you know, they're on a YouTube channel that has millions of views or these guys are on, this guy is, uh, has his own podcast that gets tens of thousands of listeners. And right. so it's easy to see them as, as a sort of celebrity. And when you're... Cut- and there are inherent dangers right. with that for sure. I watched it uh, for your for your weekly TikTok. Uh, um, there was a TikTok I watched the other day and it was a, I'm, a, I'm on Christian TikTok now apparently. Your feed gets gives you more of what you're actually looking at. You haven't sent any to me in a I while. I know, I haven't. It must not have been very good. Well, it was. Busy? I just I forget. It's my five minutes of distraction each day. Um, <laughs> it was this girl, and, and she was talking about uh, how... Dude, I've had five minutes of distraction in this podcast. <laughs> she was talking about how the, these megachurch pastors are always like, it's not about me, it's about God. And then she did a, like a, a scene where... A megachurch pastor was like coming up out of the stage with smoke right. and like everything, but that's accurate. Yeah. Like for some, in some cases, so it's hard to. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm and, getting and off on a tangent you know, again. We're using but, that that term, and you know, I. I'm not bashing it, them a, because they're fine. Well, I would like us to just kind of all of us as Christians, and I'm not saying don't use the term because I still will probably use it, but just to change our thinking that when we say megachurch, it kind of has. You know, we're we're really talking about the size of the church, and that right. doesn't necessarily. No, you can have a church that. of millions of people. But the yeah. seeker-driven right. mentality that that creates a concert environment and so on, it, it becomes it, it becomes well, even if they're conservative <laughs> in their theology, the the nature of it is contrary to that yeah. conservative theology, and so it, it creates a, sort of a conundrum because you're. You're trying to establish spiritual things while appealing to the flesh and how mm-hmm. you go about it. And it, it, I don't want to make sweeping generalizations about no, things. No, I'm not, not to this, do that either. Don't hear us as trying to condemn uh, somebody else. And you know, again, I, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of uh, folks out there that will, 
you know, jump on the bandwagon of bashing or, or even be upset with us. We talked before about, you know, we have done songs from ministries that we don't necessarily support or endorse that particular ministry. Some that I think have some specifically false teaching in them. And some, you know, that, you know, where we have Christian podcasters and, and, and talking heads who are out there uh, condemning and criticizing ministries that I, I think they're really way out of line in their condemnation. Mm. There are some that I might disagree with. That Because I disagree with them on something doesn't make them a heretic. Right. You know, I, I, I think the, the perspective on um, soteriological issues, issues of salvation, having to do with free will and election, I, I think are, are erroneous from an Arminian perspective. I just say it out there. If, if we think this has something to do with our free will that God looked through time to see that we would receive him, therefore he chose us, I think that is a gross misinterpretation of Scripture. I think it is irresponsible and, and, and uh, it's a harmful error that does violence to the church and to the Word of God. But I don't think I can go far enough to say, well, that's heretical and every Arminian, everybody sure. who disagrees with me, therefore you are not part of the body of Christ because there there are areas where we have to sort through things. And right. so I can look at like, like a, a Stephen Furtick, for example. I don't agree with his approach to things in the nature of how they lay out a service. Mm -hmm. That does not mean it's evil or unchristian. Well, it might be, right. but not because I disagree with it. But I think that's it. where I'm, I'm having troubles because I think myself included, I, and this is my own fault for not doing the research, I really don't know anything about Stephen Furtick's church, the church itself. I know plenty yeah. about Stephen Furtick, about his style, about the way he preaches, about the things he preaches or whatever, right. but I don't know, like I haven't gone to the, the Elevation website and like looked at what their sure. mission statement is. I haven't gone to Tony Evans' website and looked at what this, the church actually stands for. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think that's the majority of people because they Correct. see- yeah, that's they part see of the internet the, world we're in. Right, they see the celebrity status of these preachers. And so yeah. I think they're more inclined to just accept that and follow the preacher rather than the the church itself. Yeah, and there are there are places where that's. I'm not saying that's good or bad, but I think in general there are there's more potential bad than good, but there is good with that. And we talked previously about you know around Thanksgiving, I checked something off my bucket list and went to Stonebriar Community Church I was in Frisco, say, you Texas. Remember Thanksgiving? <laughs> I don't remember much, but I remember this because it was huge. Uh, Chuck Swindoll's been a hero of mine since I was little, you know, or, you know, yeah, he, I think his national ministry started in 79 and I've been listening ever since, uh, and, you know, was very formative for me in a lot of ways, uh, but I, you know, he, he, this, he's at a different church than he was at that time, mm -hmm. but I didn't know much about the church. Right. I just knew the, the preaching ministry, you know, read the books, heard the sermons. And so I, I followed Chuck Swindoll and there was an impact, a positive impact in that. Um, but I was not in a position at any point to have a relationship with Chuck Swindoll. That's the difference mm -hmm. between church and Christian content that you get in a podcast or whatever else. This doing this here, this isn't church. This is a right. ministry of our church. But you know, just like I wasn't in a relationship with Pastor Chuck, he didn't. He doesn't. To this day, he doesn't know me. He's you know, he's not listening to the podcast. He's not saying, "Oh wow, Zeiger thinks that that must be important." But but there are those here in our church 
you know, like you and I, as we're sitting here, we're putting out content for somebody else to listen to. Right. But what they don't see, sorry about not turning my phone off. And they might uh, be in England. What they're not privy to is all of the conversations over the years where, you know, it's not as comfortable as this. We've had some uncomfortable conversations over the years <laughs> of accountability, about? including, you know, right. and that's not one-sided because, you know, there was at one point, I very rarely recommend books that I haven't read and you know exactly where I'm going already. Uh, and I recommended to you a, a uh, book about men and women that, um, I hadn't read, but was highly reviewed. And you said, I hate this book. This is terrible. So I had to go back and then look at it. I just was recommending uh, to the church the, the, the book, In His Steps. Okay, enough of the phone. Um, Popular. We um, talking about doing the, the study in Charles Sheldon's In His Steps. And my mother-in-law, who's uh, one, of our, um, one of our women at the church here, who is, you know, in involved in so many things and has so much wisdom to offer she called me on it and said are you sure we want to be doing a study on a book from someone who was so involved in the social gospel well this book was formative to me and i didn't know enough about that that background so i didn't see it from a social gospel perspective right. but because of additional eyes additional thoughts she was able to bring wisdom to bear on that mm. now if we elect to do that study, we'll, it'll change the way we study right. it because I, I did not realize the, the purpose that Sheldon had in, in many of his uh, ways here. So I learned something because in a relationship, I was held accountable. Uh, we work really hard with our overseers to make sure that everybody understands we're peers here and we have a responsibility to one another as brothers, you know, at this figuratively round table they're rectangular but you get the idea as we are less effective as we are uh gathered together no individual including the pastor has a, a more authority or power than anybody else right. we have authority as a board because the church has delegated that authority to us ultimately god has given us that autonomy as a church to do so but that that authority doesn't come you know, from our own individual uh, right. power or strength. No overseer, no pastor can come in and say, well, here's how it is, thus saith the Lord, unless it's from the scripture and the Lord says this, you know, right. th that's how it thus. works. Um, so there, you know, we need to recognize that, that we are called to be a body. Uh, and if, if we don't, if we don't prioritize body life and, and, and I, I want to specifically phrase it that way because if if we just say church, mm. then we get a specific idea. Mm. And it's not the same idea that the Bible has. And the idea is probably says. different for every person. Yeah, but well, it, I'm going to think about tends, church a different way than this person. Correct, but it tends to be this event of doing right. something, right, right, right. gathering on right. Sundays and so on and so forth. And that is part of it. The church is not less than that, mm -hmm. but it is more. It's mm -hmm. relationship. It's not just we connect with each other by saying hi on Sunday morning and, you know. Or having a two-minute time to greet your neighbors during right. the service. That's not it. Right. And so it's really hard to have a lot of that corporate effect, what the church is meant to be, just in that window of a Sunday morning gathering. Mm -hmm. It's hard to be be what the church is intended to be without that, but it is it's more. 
We need to walk together through life. We need to hold one another accountable. We need to witness the power of God as we use our gifts together to serve others. All of the, these ministry aspects come together in the context of the body. And we can't separate the, the idea of body life from our Christian walk and be faithful to Scripture. We will stop there. I'm sorry if I went off on a tangent this morning. I think it was a good tangent. I'll take it then. Uh, so yeah, if you guys have any questions as usual, feel free to contact us at something real at reallifeonline.org. Buy a mug um, at for $12. Um, what are our other outlets? <laughs> you can leave us a message on Facebook or a comment on YouTube or leave us a voicemail at 269-756-RLCC. Are the podcast mugs $10? Is that, I think they were $10. Were they 10 or 8 I think there were 10. I'm going to make a command decision here and reduce them to eight. Whoa. How's that? Big summer blowout. We'll have a $4 difference there. So yeah. $12 for the... Uh-oh. Your battery is low on your computer, so we better cut this short. <laughs> that means I talk too long. Yeah. Uh, $12 for the travel mug, $8 for the podcast mug.